Good morning, Parkway Church. How are you guys doing today? Good, good, good. So glad that you're here with us, Parkway Victoria, Parkway Alone Tree, Parkway Online. And we want to say a special good morning to Parkway Port Lavaca in their new home at the Grace Chapel. Hey, guys, we are so excited that you're worshiping together in one place, in one service. We've got right at 190 people gathered this day today in the middle of summer at the Grace Chapel there in Port Lavaca, and we are so excited about what the Lord could do from here. So welcome, welcome, welcome wherever you are. Even welcome Parkway Online who's hiding from the rainstorm. Yeah, we see you. We know what you're doing, but we are glad that you're here. My name is Mike. I'm the senior pastor here, and it's my privilege today to continue our journey through Scripture. What we're doing together this year is just walking through the various books of the Bible, to see the theological threads that run throughout Scripture, to get to know the major players in the storyline of the Bible, and to get to see the, the way God works His agenda through all ages. We're in a series now that we're calling Those People, where we're walking through four books of the Bible. We're walking through Ezra, which we looked at last week, and learned how to, to deal with the hypocrites among us. And then this week, we're looking at the book of Nehemiah, if you brought your Bible, you can open up with me to the book of Nehemiah. If you didn't bring your Bible, no worries. We've got an outline we gave you on the way in at each location. You can also follow along using the Parkway app. I encourage you to download that app, and you can follow along each and every week there on your phone, both iOS and Android. But as you turn to the book of Nehemiah, what we're going to deal with today is those people that are always critical. There's much to learn from the book of Nehemiah, but one of the things that we're going to learn is how to overcome the critic in our lives. And then next week, we're going to open the book of Esther. And in the book of Esther, we're going to see that God orchestrates our days. And for such a time as this, God has placed us here. And we're going to learn together how to deal with those who might want to manipulate us and turn and twist things for their benefit and our detriment. And then in the last week of this series, Those People, we're going to learn how to reject some really bad advice from some really good friends as we study the book of Job. The book of Job has many complex issues. I mean, what about God and suffering? What about the, the devil and God having a conversation about a man named Job? What is up with that? Well, we're going to dig into some of that while we look at the big picture of, hey, how do I deal with when things go wrong and people give me the wrong advice? How do I live with that? How do I overcome that? in today's world. Well, today we're in the book of Nehemiah, and the book of Nehemiah is very personal to me. It's just one of the 66 books of the Bible, but it's one of the books of the Bible that I've studied very, uh, in a very focused way. About 11 years ago, we were on family vacation. We were in the mountains in Tennessee um, near Gatlinburg, and my phone rang, and it was a friend on the end that I'd done some writing for before, and they said, hey, would you write on the book of Nehemiah for us? from the perspective of biblical leadership and small groups and community development and church life and all of that. And, and I was working in D.C. and serving at McLean Bible Church at the time, and they said, would you pray about it and get back with us in a few days? I said, I don't have to pray. I'll give you an answer today. Yes, let's do it. Because God it would teach me much through these next few months. I would read the book of Nehemiah, whether it was daily or weekly, I was immersing myself in that book. And as you study the book of Nehemiah, if you've never looked at the book of Nehemiah and, and dug into it, I encourage you to, because it's one of the most practical books of the Bible when it comes to dealing with issues of following God's leadership, when it comes to issues of, of, of you developing a plan to do something God has called you to do. 
It's one of the most practical books when it comes to dealing with injustice in the world around us. Nehemiah went like WWE on the enemies of God. I mean, he was putting people against a wall because they were mistreating others. He, he used, if you've ever wondered, how can you use your, your position and what God has given you to benefit others? The book of Nehemiah is a great read for that as well. Nehemiah also did amazing work to not only rebuild the walls, which we'll look at today, but he rebuilt social structures and he rebuilt it with his partner Ezra, the spiritual life of the people of God. Nehemiah is, is a top-class leader, no matter the era, no matter the focus. So I encourage you, if you've never dug into it, dig into it. I did 11 years ago, and as I was writing the book and preparing and, and studying and praying and, and just doing the whole process for repurposed, that's how God called me back here to be your pastor. And little did I know that I would need every lesson that I learned from the book of Nehemiah to lead and to love us as Parkway. Like I learned the lesson, you never speak for God until you hear from God. Nehemiah taught me that. Nehemiah lived that. The opening chapter in Nehemiah, he gets word from one of his brothers about the condition of Jerusalem. Now that would be Nehemiah's hometown, but he'd never been there. But he was curious, how is Jerusalem? The exiles are returning. How is Jerusalem? In the report from his brothers, the walls are down, the gates are burned, and the people are full of despair. The walls around Jerusalem were her, her security. The, the gates of Jerusalem were how she would open and close to commerce and open and close to other forms of business and worship. These were important gates and walls for the city and her identity. And the walls were down and the gates were burned. And because of that, the people were full of despair. The Bible said that that broke Nehemiah's heart. And he, he started praying. And he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. He prayed for longer than a football season. That is a long time to prayer, for prayer. Of course, if you're a Texans fan, you do that every season. You pray, pray, pray. Anyway, that's a bad Texans joke. Some of y'all will get that later. But he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. And then he went to the king courageously and asked the king for permission to go and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And not only did the king give him a letter and authorize him to go, but he also gave him the resources he would need. He gave him what it would take to rebuild the walls and to rebuild the gates. And so Nehemiah, with the prompt of God and the permission of the king went back to Jerusalem. Now you remember Jerusalem is in despair. It's wrecked and it's ruined because of the God's people's rebellion against him. They had turned to a king instead of to God. And because of that, bad kings led and other kings took over and the best were exiled out and Jerusalem was ruined. And now we're here in this rebuilding process 13 years after Ezra, Nehemiah comes. And Nehemiah goes around the city walls. His first visit isn't to the town square where he announces, God's told me to do this. Not his first stop. The first three nights, he travels around the city to see what needs to be done, and I believe to talk to God. And at the end of that three-day period, he stands before the people and says, God's asked us to rebuild these walls. And the people saw that God was in it, and they said, yes, let's do it. Let's do it together. So you never speak for God until you've heard from God. 
One of the other lessons that I learned from Nehemiah is you, you all lead within community and under accountability. Even Nehemiah, the cupbearer to the king, had to go and ask permission to go and rebuild the city walls and to reinstall the gates. Everybody's got somebody they work for. And everybody's got somebody they work with. And so as we look at dealing with those people, this is the type of world that we live in. And today we live in a world that is uniquely critical. Is it just me or has our world become hypercritical? Everyone is a critic today. Everyone's opinion is voiced. Everyone's thought is shared. Social media, while it's done a great thing to link people across the world, it's done horrendous, like it's brought horrendous problems on our society because now everyone's a critic. I mean, Sue from Des Moines, Iowa can be just, can be a critic. And she's, she's here on the Today Show with our little tweet, right? It's insane. Watch it tomorrow. Watch it. You're going to see that Sue from Des Moines is there. It's not just the, 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 the experts. It's not just the ones that are editors or those that come on to be critics of what's happening. Everyone's a critic. And everyone's looking to voice their opinion. And some of those opinions are constructive. And some of those opinions are destructive. Constructive criticisms help build you up, right? Instead of tearing you down. Destructive criticism, all it's about is tearing you down. All it's about is getting you to stop you from doing what you're doing for some reason that someone else holds to. The difference between constructive and destructive criticism is huge. And as we look at Nehemiah, one of the things that we learned from him is that he dealt with critics in a very straight up way. He did three things to deal with the critics, three attempts to derail the building project. What had God called him to do? Rebuild the wall. Who had God called him to do it with? The people of Jerusalem. So with that task at hand, the work would begin, and so would the criticism. And as you think about your life, when is criticism going to begin in your world? Well, criticism will begin in your world when you attempt something new. Who are you to try something new? Who are you to change your life in the name of that guy, Jesus? Who are you to do new? That's not you. You'll be criticized when you try something new. You'll be criticized when you take a stand on an issue. If you take a bold, courageous stand on a biblical, moral issue, expect criticism to come your way. But you stand on that conviction. You can expect criticism to come when you excel at something. When you are really good at something, the best companies still have the loudest critics. When you are really good at something, you should expect criticism. Because people are like, who does, who does she think she is? She thinks she's better than us? They think they're better? Who, what's up with, so instead of letting you be built up, what's the critic gonna try and do? Gonna try and tear you down. And in the book of Nehemiah, there were two critics, and there was a partner that came in late in the story that were always coming against Nehemiah. Their names are Sanballat and Tobiah. And as we jump into the story of Nehemiah and this rebuilding of the wall project, let's learn together how to overcome the critics or the enemies of our life. First thing the critics do as we see the story of Nehemiah play out is this. 
Critics mock. You could fill in that blank. You know, one of the differences between a constructive critic and a destructive critic, I have never had a constructive critic mock me before he provides criticism. Now, I might have a friend who jokes with me before they give me some constructive feedback, but I've never had anyone that is a mocker of me provide feedback that's beneficial to me. Because mocking is what critics do, not what friends do. Nehemiah 4, 1 through 3. When Sandalot heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry. You know, the critic's heart is the critic's problem. But the critic spoke out of his anger. So when you receive criticism for something you're doing that's right, it's not because of something you've done. It's something that's happening in them that's causing the criticism. He became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews in the presence of his associates and in the army of Samaria. He said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they rescue their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble buried as they are? Will they bring this wall back to life? This critic goes swirling around and he's taking shots at everyone. Look at the feeble Jews. What can they do? Look at the feeble Jews. Can they rebuild this wall so that the city is secure? Can they rebuild this wall so that worship and sacrifice happens again in the temple? Can they rebuild this wall in a day? What can they do? He's mocking them in front of them. He's mocking them with his associates. He's mocking them. And then Tobiah speaks up. Tobiah, the Ammonite who was by his side says, what are they building even a fox climbing up on it would break down their walls of stone. You know, critics usually have sidekicks. And that's what Tobiah is to Sandalot here. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. They can't rebuild it in a day. Yeah, yeah, here's what's going to happen. Even a fox can jump up on their wall and knock it down. Yeah, yeah. You guys like that impersonation? <laughs> so how would Nehemiah respond to the mockery. Here it is. He refocused on the Lord. Nehemiah is going to teach us an important lesson. When others mock us, only God can change our heart. A critic cannot change my heart when I'm committed to doing the will of God. When I am doing what God has called me to do, when I am becoming the person God desires for me to become, a critic cannot change my plan. Only God determines my steps. So Nehemiah refocused on the Lord. He didn't allow the mockery of his enemies to derail him. Instead, he turned to God and listened to this prayer. Some of you need to know you could pray this kind of prayer. This is a prayer where, where Nehemiah says, hey, God, you go get him. You get him. Here it is, Nehemiah 4, 4 through 6. Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. <laughs> Nehemiah says, go get them, God. 
They've insulted the builders in your presence. They've hurled insults at them. Don't be gracious with them. Don't blot out their sins. Make them plunder so that they will be captured and taken by some other king or nation. Go get them, God. And then what happens next? Verse 6, Nehemiah 4. So we rebuilt the wall until it reached half its height, for the people worked with all of their heart. Friends, as you face criticism, and we will all face critics at one point or another, don't let their mockery change your plan. But instead, may you refocus on the Lord and you pray. Nehemiah began with prayer and he returned to prayer. You can never do anything more than pray before you pray. There's no action of man. There's no work of your hand. There's no idea of your mind that's greater than the prayer you voice to God when you are being mocked or when you are being picked on or bullied for what God has called you to do. Because the heart of God for you is just like the heart of dad for his kids. When my kids are being bullied or mocked or messed with, oh, I, I turn into to, to Incredible Hulk Mike, right? Don't make me angry. That's, that's me. Because I want to take care of my kids. I want to take care of my daughters. And I want to take care of my son. And that's God's heart for you. So you can refocus on him. Second thing that critics do is this. Critics intimidate. When the mockery didn't work, Sandalot and Tobiah and the others, they just cranked it up a notch. And so here's how the story continues. Remember, the wall is now about half built, and so they keep moving because people were working with all their heart. So also our enemy said, before they know it or, or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to their work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told, told us 10 times over, Wherever you turn, they will attack us. So the enemies, they couldn't mock the work to stop. It only strengthened it. So now they began to intimidate. They said, if you keep building the wall, we will kill you. And they said this in a way that the Jewish people would hear it. And so they came reporting to Nehemiah 10 times over. Hey, they're going to be on us before we even see it. If I show up to work tomorrow, if I clock in, they're going to be on me. If they see me commuting to work on my camel, they're going to be on me. Like, this is a problem. We can't continue the work. They were trying to intimidate, to stop the work. And so what did Nehemiah do? Again, he is one of the best leaders. Nehemiah 4, 13 through 14. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall, and at the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. So the people were scared. And what did Nehemiah do? He pointed them back to the strength of the Lord and he created a plan so that they could safely work. He said, you see that spot in front of your house? You take your weapon and you go and you stand in front of that and you guard it. You get your bow, you get your sword. We will not let them intimidate us. God is with us. Nehemiah 4, 15. When our enemies heard 
what, that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to his own work. So they tried to intimidate, we'll kill you if you go to work tomorrow. So what are we gonna do? We're gonna go to work tomorrow with swords. What are we gonna do tomorrow? We're gonna go to work, trust in the Lord. Nothing's gonna stop the work that God has called us to do. And so when the enemies heard this and that God frustrated their plans, <laughs> I love that. Because the action step that I'm calling you to when you feel intimidated is this. Remember who's got your back. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in you. The Bible says that he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. So when you feel mocked, you're intimidated, refocus on the Lord and remember who's got your back because it's God that's got your back. Just like he had Nehemiah's back and just like he had the people of God's back here, he's got our backs in Christ. He is with us. And he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. One of the practical things that I like to do in regard to remembering who's got my back is this. I realize that I choose the reality that I live in when it comes to critics or when it comes to people being critical of me. You can imagine over the last 10 years of leading this church, and just for the record, Parkway is one of the most loving, supportive, loyal churches that I could ever, ever, ever want to be a part of. But you can imagine over the last 10 years, there have been some times where a few people haven't been all the way happy with me. That's just part of it as a pastor. There's been some times when, when people have been sideways or frustrated or angry with me. And on a weekend like this weekend, we'll probably have um, 1,400 people in the church throughout this weekend. And that 1,400 people, maybe two of them were upset. Here's the reality I choose. I choose to focus on the 1,398 that weren't. I mean, think about it at work. Are you going to let your work be spoiled because one person doesn't like you? Are you going to let one person be the voice of God in your life and he or she is not God? Because when you allow that critic at work, when you allow that critic in your home, when you allow that critic in your head, when you allow that critic to stop the work of God, what you've just done is let that voice replace the voice of God in your life. Now, for the record, as your pastor, I am committed to always learning from constructive criticism. I am always committed to continue to grow through the positive feedback from people who want what's best for me and want what's best for this church. I am committed to that. But I will choose my reality. If I've got some destructive critics, I'm gonna focus on the 1398 that aren't while I continue to do what God has called us to do together. I learned that lesson from Nehemiah, and I sure am glad, because there are some pastors that allow two people to wreck their world. Oh my gosh, we're in trouble. Why are we in trouble? Two people said the music was too loud. Oh, only two? That's not too bad, right? Oh, two people said the sermon was too funny. I choose to go with the 1398 that don't. 
think it's too funny. <laughs> From that day on, half the men did their work while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did work with one hand and held a weapon with the other. In each of the Builders wore a sword and on his side as he worked. But the, men who, uh, the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, Nehemiah 4, 19 through 20. Then I said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, but, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. This reality of of knowing who's got your back. This decision of choosing your own reality. Yes, we are in danger, but God will fight for us. Nehemiah lived it out right here. So we continued the work with half the men holding spears from the first of light of dawn till the stars came out. And at that time, I also said to the people, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so they can serve as guides by night and his workers by day. Neither I nor my brothers, nor my men, nor the guards with me took off our clothes. Each had his weapon, even when he went for water. And the work continued. Friends, can I remind you with God and the right people at your side, you can work confidently despite the criticism you might feel you're receiving unjustly. With God and the right people at your side, you don't have to be intimidated and stop doing what God has gifted and called you and equipped you and demanded that you do. But instead, you continue on the work that he's given you. And then the last, critics manipulate. If their mockery won't stop you, if their intimidation won't stop you, they take it up to that third level. And that's manipulation. Listen to how Tobiah and Sanballat and now Geshem come in to manipulate Nehemiah. When word came back to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors in the gates. Sanballat and Geshem sent this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages in the plain of Ono. Come, let us meet together together. So Nehemiah is doing his great work. He's ignoring their mockery. He is he's not intimidated by their threat. He's working safely with God and others at his back. And so now they come to him and say, come to the plain of Ono. But Nehemiah knew something. Let's keep reading verse two. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying out a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message and each time I gave them the same answer. Then the fifth time, Sanballat sent his aid to me with the same message and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written. Let's pause right there. So four times, they come to Nehemiah and say, hey, come meet us in the plain of Ono. And what did he say? Oh, no, I'm not going to Ono. Oh, no, I'm not getting down off this wall. I'm doing a good work. So the fifth time they said, hey, come hang out in Ono. 
And this time a letter is attached. Nehemiah is not going to stop the work because he knew they were looking to harm him. They were manipulating him quite nicely, at least attempting to. And here it is. It is reported that among the nations, and Geshem says that it's true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king and even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now, this report will get back to the real king, the one who sent you here. So, so let us meet together. They're like, Nehemiah, we've heard this rumor that you're trying to make yourself king. So come and meet with us at the plain of Ono so we can clear it up. Geshem says it's true, but you come and meet with us so that we can hear it straight from you. They were trying to manipulate him. So I sent this reply. Nothing like what you were saying is happening. You were just making it up in your head. I love that response. This is not true. I'm not going to be their king. He would be their governor, but he would never be their king. He said, you're making it up in your head. You're looking to Cabeza, right? You are just making it all up right here. So I'm not going to stop the work. They were trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But Nehemiah says, I prayed, now strengthen my hands. As they were trying to manipulate him, the ultimate in manipulation would have been get him off the wall and get him off focus on what God has told him to do. But Nehemiah didn't get off the wall because he was doing a good work. And, and, and some of us need to hear this lesson loud and clear. You don't have to respond to every critic. You don't have to answer every complaint against yourself. I mean, part of us, if you're like me, would have been, hey, by the third time I got that note, I would have been like, oh, no, they didn't, right? I'm going to, oh, no. Oh, no, they didn't. We're going to settle this right here. We're going to settle it eyes to eyes. But you know what? Answering your critics doesn't take away their criticism. Nehemiah knew that. And so what did he do? He stayed on the wall and didn't let himself be manipulated so that the work would stop. And God strengthened his hands. So the action step here very quickly. Let your faith and your actions silence the critics. You don't have to go and answer everyone about everything, about every part of your life. You live your life to honor God as a son or a daughter of the Most High. You live your life to honor God and you let your faith and your actions speak for you. It wouldn't be his words that spoke for him. It would be his faith that spoke for him. It wouldn't be his words that spoke for him. It would be the wall that spoke for him. Listen to how the story concludes for the day. Nehemiah 6, 15. So the wall was completely, was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. So the critics first mocked him and said, can you bring those stones back to life? Yeah, that fox will knock over the wall. That wall was rebuilt in 52 days because they did not stop their work and they trust the Lord. The, the critics then tried to intimidate. You show up to work tomorrow, we're gonna kill you. Oh yeah, I'll see you at work tomorrow. And oh, by the way, how you like my sword? We will not stop the work. God's got our back. 
That wall was rebuilt in 52 days. In 52 days, they tried to manipulate Nehemiah because if they could get him off the wall, they might stop the work either for a moment or a season or worse yet, they might kill him and the work would stop altogether because he got off the wall and went to Ono. Friends, that wall was rebuilt in 52 days. Stay committed to what God has called you to do. Let no voice replace the voice of God in your life. Let him only direct your steps. Let him alone be the one that says, you need to stop or you need to start. You need to go or you need to not go. Let him be in charge. Listen to what happened as we wrap it up. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. It's so funny the way that Nehemiah phrased that. They lost their self-confidence and everything they were trying to do would be to rip the confidence out of the people of God. And because they tried to rip the confidence out of the people of God and God was their confidence, the enemies, the critic, lost their self-confidence. I love that. Because God has got your back and because God has a plan for your life, you can overcome criticism. Don't let them mock you. Refocus. Don't let them intimidate you. God's got your back and so do we. Don't let them manipulate you. You're doing a good work if you're doing a new thing to follow God. Don't let them manipulate you. Let your faith and your actions be what speaks the loudest. I encourage you to continue to read the book of Nehemiah. There is so much more to learn as we study together. I encourage you to be one of the four people that bought my book on Nehemiah. You know, that's pretty humbling when your book doesn't even make the clearance rack. <laughs> it's still a pretty good book. But, I, but most of all, I encourage you to know that you are doing something that God has called you to do if you're depending upon him and honoring him with your life. And that it's his voice that matters most. Don't let the voice of the critic replace the voice of God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the chance to open your word to learn together today. In this moment, help us to apply the word to our lives and help us to commit ourselves to you. Church family, as you pray, maybe you just need to say, God, I trust you more than any other voice in my life. Maybe you have allowed criticism to wreck your view of you or your view of your work or your view of your obedience to the Lord. Ask God to help you refocus on him. Maybe you've become the critic. Maybe you're one who mocks and intimidates and manipulates. Church, you need to do business with God on that. Because the people that mock and threaten and intimidate, those are the enemies, not the friends of God in this story. As the church prays, if you're here today and you've never begun a relationship with Jesus, I encourage you today to consider the fact that the Bible says that you're a sinner who needs a savior. You've done wrong. I don't have to convince you of that. And the Bible says that Jesus is our savior and our Lord. 
He died in our place, was buried, and three days later was raised again from the dead. And he offers us life, life by faith, by believing in him and finding life. A new life here on earth and life forever with him in heaven. If you never believed that simple message, I invite you to believe today. You're a sinner who needs a savior and Jesus is the savior. We can mark this moment with a prayer. You can pray, Jesus, I believe. I believe that I'm a sinner who needs a savior and that you are the savior of the world. Thank you for coming for me, for dying in my place and being raised again from the dead. Today, I believe. Thank you for giving me life. 